I'm Rehard van der Berg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central, episode 220 for the week starting 20 May 2018. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central, real technology journalism. On Talk Central this week, Duncan is a hodler. Oh my word, I've gone and done it. Also this week, GDPR unleashes a wave of email. Telcom earnings preview, they're coming out tomorrow. Netflix is briefly the world's most valuable company. Battlefield 5 (laughs) is coming and it looks amazing. And the FBI wants you to reboot your router. Mm, It's Sunday, our new time slot for this podcast, and that means it's time to talk everything technology. Welcome to the show, everyone. How's it, Rehart? How's it, Duncan? You're sounding a lot better this week. Coming to you in stereo today. <laughs> You've invested in a bit of uh, audio gear on your side. Uh, we are still recording over the internet, um, but uh, uh, the quality of this podcast, at least from Rechard's side, is now s- far superior to what it has been uh, before. Yeah, it's is- definitely worth uh, stepping up a level. Yeah, f- absolutely. So let's hope let's hope enjoy. <laughs> For sure. So before we get into uh, all of this week's news, let's uh, let's run through our quiz questions for this week. Do you want to do the first question, Rehat? For sure. Uber has bought which South African-founded technology company to bolster its Uber Eats offering, integrating with point-of-sale systems? And which JSE-listed fund manager this week said it plans to launch a cryptocurrency exchange later this year? Third question. The EU on Friday finally introduced its tough new privacy regulations, GDPR. What does GDPR stand for? And Celsi's chief financial officer announced on a call with analysts this week that he is resigning after less than a year in the role. Who is he? And the final question. Which major South African retail group this week announced it would launch a mobile money offering? We'll get to the quiz results as always at the end of the show. But lots and lots and lots of news to talk about this week. Um, uh, from GDPR to uh, to Netflix becoming the world's most valuable media company. Quite quite an achievement for a company that started out in mail-order DVDs. Uh, it's crazy. It is crazy. It is crazy. But just a reminder to, to anyone listening live to the show or post the fact, uh, please do send us a WhatsApp voice note on 071-999-1111. We'd love to get your feedback. You can ask Rechard and I any questions you'd like to. And uh, as I said that, an audio voice note came in, literally the second. So shall we play that, Rechard? Yeah, let's uh, do that. This voice note is from, um, whoa, I'm going to, I hope I don't butcher this name, <laughs> Renel Sivanandam. Sivanandam. Apologies, uh, Renel, if I'm pronouncing your name horribly, um, but we've just received your voice note here, so I'm going to, to play it on air. Um, I'm just going to hold it up to the mic, Rechard, so you can hear it. Cool. Hey, guys. Renel here. Um, thanks for the great show, as always. Uh, my question is, um, with Nokia coming up with these uh, Android One phones and, and while we're making our market themselves locally with uh, good price to value prospects uh, how do you see the local phone market shaping up in the next few years thanks well that's a good uh, question um, there has certainly has been some very interesting development and I think uh, HMD global which uh, is the now the brand licensee for for Nokia is bringing out some interesting devices um, I was uh, actually in an MTN store yesterday having a look at the new uh, Nokia 7 plus 
which for 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 the price, it's around six six and a half thousand rand, is really really yeah. good value for money. Uh, Sixty four gigabytes of storage, six inch. Um, full 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 HD screen, um, uh, uh, pure Android experience, very nice device. Um, of course, they've also announced the Nokia 8 Sirocco. Uh, they've got some nice phones in the market. Uh, I think that uh, we may see um, later this year a new high-end one. This is just guesswork, but I think we may see a Nokia 9 or a Nokia 10 uh, t- t- trying to take on that very high end of the market against the iPhone and uh, the the Galaxy S9, which I'd really like really like to see. Uh, currently, their highest end phone is the Sirocco. Um, but yeah, they've got some interesting phones in the market at, at very interesting price points. Starting, of course, with that uh, with the Nokia One, which is running the Android One uh, OS, uh, and announced I think last year at Google's uh, developer conference. Mm-hmm. And it's a thousand bucks, and it's a it's a it's a good phone for the price. So uh, you know, Nokia is doing some some good stuff, and uh, and Huawei, of course, is also doing some amazing stuff. The phone that uh, really has my attention at the moment is the uh, P20 Pro, the Huawei P20 Pro. Uh, if if I was going to buy a phone now, and I don't need to because my my existing device, an S8, is running absolutely fine. But if I was going to buy a phone tomorrow, I would have a very very serious look at that P20 Pro. Um, which has incredible camera tech built into it and takes very interesting advantage of the AI chip in the phone uh, to do stuff with photography. Have you had a look at the P20? I had a, I had a touch and a quick feel looking at it. Uh, it looks like a fantastic device. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, when you have a high-spec uh, high phone, Good camera. The differentiator isn't really that much. Maybe there's a few touches that make it feel, you know, better in your hand, or you actually just like what the company's doing. Mm. Question, yeah. The question is, what, what, what's the big differentiator with these phones these days? What, what makes you like one over the other? I guess. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't have an answer to that because they're all there's, everyone's got its charm. Each one's got its charm. Mm. Um, I do like the P20, but would I own one? Would I ever invest in one? I don't think so. No. Why not? Just a I don't know, I brand just, choice. I think, I think not so. Yeah, not maybe a little bit of a brand choice. I just don't see. I don't see the value in all of those features, really. Yeah. You know, I, it's, that's not gonna, that's not my buying decision. It's it's more about how it feel in my, how how does it feel in my hand? Maybe a bit about uh, kind of general adoption around me. What works what works best with the tools that I want to use. Yeah, know? yeah. Oh, it's yeah. those cameras that really got my attention on the P twenty Pro. The 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 rear. Uh, I think it's a 20 megapixel and a 40 megapixel rear camera and then a 24 megapixel selfie camera. Uh, it's a pretty, pretty potent combination. And uh, some of the reviews I've seen online, I haven't had a chance to play with the phone myself, but some of the reviews online suggest that um, this is the phone to get now if you're a mobile photographer. Oh, yeah. No, look, from that point of view, if, you, if you're going after the best spec in the camera, then it's hard to not look at that Huawei P20 Pro. Hmm. Um, it's certainly got everything you'd want in today's latest tech. But I'm also, I'm, I feel like you, you can throw a lot of megapixels at me, but at the end of the day, if I'm going to, I'm probably going to keep that photograph digitally on a computer or on social media. You know, again, it's nice to have it. But it's it's not a, a big uh, swaying factor for me. Okay. Yeah. But you carry a DSLR separately as well, so. Um, Which I mean, I don't use. Yes, I use it for for bigger work, and I, but I still use my entry level. Well, now entry level uh, iPhone 6s. You know, it's, yeah. it's good enough. Yeah. And I really am talking from a spending money on these things point of view. Mm. 
just it's, it's a lot of money. Just just a last comment on that on that voice note. I'm actually most excited about what's happening in the mid range of the smartphone market, not the high end. Mm. Um, I think that's really where the exciting stuff is at the moment. I mean, you can go out there and you can buy a fifteen or twenty thousand rand phone, um, but you can actually get a phone that's almost the same in the mid-range. Um, sure, it hasn't necessarily got the very latest optical sensor in it. It hasn't got the latest Qualcomm 845 processor, but for 5,000, maybe even 10,000 Rand less, you're getting a very competent mm-hmm. fast phone that was in what that would have been considered high-end just 24 months ago, if not earlier, sooner. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. The, that's the device that I've got. And yes, I'm a, I, I always like to have the latest and greatest, but some, at some point, you just don't need it. Yeah, especially with a phone that can do everything you need to do. Especially if it says the camera's good enough. Yeah, um, and it can obviously connect to all the social networks you need. And there's some fantastic phones in that space. And certainly not, you know, it's it's a small minority who can afford to buy an Apple iPhone 10 or a Samsung Galaxy S9 Plus. Uh, let's face it. And um, it's, mm. you know, most people are going to be looking at the low, mid, low, low end to mid range devices. And in that mid range, there's some pretty, pretty exciting things. Even in the low end, there's some exciting stuff like the the Nokia One, um, thousand rand phone that's yeah. very competent yeah. um, and uh, runs pure Android. So exactly exciting times of that in that sort of lower end of the market. I, I do wonder if Apple's going to try and compete in the mid range more more aggressively this year. There's rumor that they're going to be introducing a new iPhone SE. Uh, at their iPhone event, which I think usually happens around September. Um, it be interesting to see what the price point on that is, because I think mid-range for Apple might mean 15,000 Rand. But, uh, <laughs> but in my opinion, mid-range, mid-range Apple is a two-year-old Apple, 24-month-old Apple. You're right. You know, so many people either buy a second and or they keep their devices or it's a hand-me-down, and it becomes by by default, just a mid-range device, mm-hmm. and it can still run everything that you want it to do. Yeah, for so it's sure. About being clever, it's about being clever with your smart device rather than chasing the latest and greatest. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, buying a brand new Apple iPhone every every year or every second year is it gets prohibitively expensive. Unless you've got a lot of Bitcoin. <laughs> a lot of Bitcoin, yeah. So we've got another voice note here. This one is from uh, Vepener van der Volt. Uh, I'm just going to play this on the microphone again. Thanks for bringing up the show on a weekly basis. It's great to hear South African relevant South African news about tech, and it's great to get in touch with it. And you guys always have interesting content, even though Duncan isn't the biggest iOS fan. It's still okay. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to mention a little idea this week. I've got two suggestions or picks that work really well for me. Uh, the first one is uh, Overcast. It's a podcatcher app for iOS. It's a beautifully designed application. It's got a lot of great features like customized playlists. You can recommend podcasts to other people. You can shorten sentences where there's no sound. You can also enhance the voice of the person speaking. Overall, great podcast app, unfortunately, just for iOS. Highly recommend it. And then the second one is a lightweight internet browser called Brave, which unfortunately gets rid of all, fortunately, depending how you look at it, gets rid of all the advertising for uh, websites. And it is incredibly fast. It is by far the fastest web browser I have ever experienced. And it's it's amazing. It's simple, lightweight, and hyper-effective. It's built in Chromium. Um, yeah, so I highly recommend it. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, so thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. Look forward to hearing the next show. Uh, have a like a week. Bye. Well, thanks, uh, Vepner. Oh, uh, Overcast, have you used Overcast? No, I haven't used either of those, and I just mm-hmm. opened them up now, and I'm going to definitely download and try them out. I've, um, I, I've, I, I know of Overcast. I, um, I use Pocket Casts, uh, which is a cross-platform uh, podcatcher because I listen on both my iPad and my Windows desktop and my Android phone. 
Uh, but um, Overcast, I've heard, I have heard good things about it. Uh, it is iOS only, as Weapon has said. Um, mm-hmm. But I'll, maybe I'll have another look at it on my iPad. And then you mentioned the Brave browser, which is this privacy-oriented uh, browser, uh, which does, yes, remove advertising, which is not great for uh, online publishers such as Tech Central. Uh, we are, I think I mentioned in a previous show, we're considering doing something along the lines of what the Daily Maverick has done, which puts up a little box if you're running a uh, an ad blocker and just asks you to whitelist it. Um, advertising is our business model, and we can't pr- bring you great content like this if uh, uh, if you are if you're blocking our ads. So uh, please do whitelist Tech Central if you're using Brave or Ghostery or one of those um, those ad, ad blockers. But um, I've also heard good things about Brave, a very privacy oriented web browser. Uh, I haven't used it personally, but um, Vepina, thanks for the recommendation. I'm going to go and have a look at it. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely a, a time and a place for something like this. You know, it, it's I wouldn't use it as my daily browser because I do I do see need in being tracked on some things. It just makes my work life easier hmm. because I'm plugged into all of these uh, sites. Um, but yeah, well worth checking out. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, remember to whitelist Tech Central. Uh, and then there's a follow-up message here from from Vipiner as well. Let's just play this. And I just also wanted to say thank you for creating the mechanism through which we could uh, give feedback, verbally feedback like this on the show. It's really great. It's a great idea. Um, yeah, keep up the innovations. Appreciate it tremendously. Okay, cheers. Bye. Oh, great. Thanks, Vipiner. I really appreciate the positive feedback. Um, and keep those voice notes coming. We really do appreciate it. Our... Uh, Number is 071-999-1111. Add it to your contacts list. We'd love to get your messages. And if they're voice notes, we might include them in our next show. But uh, right now, let's uh, let's start to talk about uh, this week's news. And um, while it's not really news, I wanted to, to raise it anyway. I finally am a... Uh, investor, I suppose that's the right term to use in <laughs> in Bitcoin. Uh, I bit the bullet, and I am now what they call a hodler. I um, I'm, I'm owning Bitcoin, and I have uh, started watching the price much more closely than I did before. Is <laughs> it part of your daily your daily routine, your breakfast, the lunch, and dinner routine? Yeah, in fact, I've installed a little plugin into my web browser which shows me the Bitcoin price in real time. <laughs> Um, even though I, uh, my intention is to hold it for a couple of years, um, I've put in a, a, a reasonable amount of money, but uh, not, not enough to cause me any financial distress if Bitcoin crashes through the floor and burns. Which uh, is the way you need to do it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I wanted to put enough money in so that I, it, would main, it would keep my interest in it. Um, mm-hmm. it, it I, th- I think if you put a small amount of, a very small amount of money in, you, you'll just forget about it and you won't. My, my idea with investing in this is to, is to follow the crypto market more closely. I, I may move some of that, that Bitcoin into other cryptos over time. Um, uh, I'm, I'm quite tempted by Ethereum as well. I'm um, also quite interested in Monero uh, since I discovered that uh, the lead developer for Monero is uh, South African, Ricardo oh, Spagna, cool. yeah, uh, who I did a podcast with uh, just a week ago, or earlier this week, in fact. Very interesting guy. Fluffy Pony is, is his uh, handle on, on Twitter and elsewhere. Um, crypto, yeah. Okay. So I'm in. So, okay, so so I'm, I'm interested. I've got 500 bucks to put into this. Yeah. What? How do, how do you do it? Did you go to that vending machine at the, your local spa? <laughs> no, I uh, I went to Luno, which is the biggest um, uh, exchange for these things in South Africa. Um, the exchange rate isn't uh, ideal. Um, there's always a bit of a five, like a five percent premium over the US dollar rate when you're buying okay. in rand. Um, but I've just looked. I looked at all the charts for Bitcoin, and I'm no expert on these things, but it does look like it's uh, it, it's it's reaching its um, its lows. 
um, for the year. Uh, it's bounced a bit, but it's there seems to be a lot more stability mm-hmm. coming into it. But my main reason for investing is to learn about it, and um, I think uh, it's it's the best way to, to learn is to invest in something, and and then then you really start to pay attention to it. And, sure, uh, sure. Um, but, but can I can, can I use Luno to just do I just add my credit card details or my not my credit card my my debit card details or my check card details? No, to, you don't even have for. no you don't even have to do that. It's um if you're with uh, if you you're not with F and B are you? No, no. It's um it's dead simple if you're with F and B, but um it's it's as simple as an EFT. Um, is an instant EFT that happens with F and B. It may, uh, may, maybe there were some other banks, but you, I, you I, get I, instant EFT with uh, all institutions. It's a it's a third party feature. Okay, then I'm I'm not sure the details for other banks. I use F and B, and I transferred the money through an F, through an EFT using a special code. And the money reflected in my Luno wallet immediately, and I was able to trade cool. within seconds. Um, and were you sitting there, act like a game, actively trading, buy, 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 sell, sell, or was it no, just no? I just, I just, I just, I just put in a in a bid at the market price at the exchange rate, which at the time was ninety nine thousand. Oh, so once, so once it's in your wallet, you then, at the right time, put that into the actual currency you want. That's right. So you put you transfer okay. um, South African rand into your wallet, and then you just simply give an instruction to Luno to buy whichever cryptocurrency you want to buy. It's, well, they only support Bitcoin and Ethereum at the moment. Um, I decided to go with uh, with Bitcoin, although um, several of my friends have told me that they're investing in Ethereum now um, because they believe it's got more of a upside potential. You should spread your your bets, shouldn't you? I should. Don't- I should 70, 70, 30 or something. Yeah, I figured to, I'd go with Bitcoin because it's the biggest crypto. Um, and I figure, that, you know, that all these cryptos do tend to move together. Sure, some of them over time will far outperform others. Others will far under, underperform others. But, um, you know, I don't think Bitcoin is going away. It's the big daddy of crypto money. And uh, yeah, you've yeah. got to start somewhere, right? No, I agree. Mm. I agree. I'm going to follow your lead and I'm just going to get a little bit of a little bit of a a uh, little bit of Bitcoin currency, yeah, 100, 200 rand, and just take from there. I mean, it's very small into comparison, I'm sure, to what some of the other guys are doing. Yeah. But I mean, if you're, if you're buying uh, that sort of volume, then yeah, you could certainly walk into my local spa and put a put a 200 rand banknote into the Bitcoin machine. And <laughs> but, but that's exactly what I want to do. That's, I'm going to try okay. that out. I want to go and uh, trial it. I haven't done yeah. it yet. Yeah. I, I did promise last week I would, but I just haven't had a chance. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm going to try not to um, to talk too much uh, uh, crypto jargon on the show going forward as I learn more and more about these things. But, no, please do. We're all learning here. I mean, if, <laughs> if you just take the hard work out of it, just tell us all the things we need to know, and then yeah. we can all replicate your investment. Uh, yeah. Investment styles. I believe that once you get, I, I understand that Luna is a, a great way to get into it when you when you're getting started out. But you know, once you really start to use the stuff and international exchanges and all that sort of thing, uh, you'd probably leave Luna behind. Um, but for now, it's a, I think it's a good way just to to get that first exposure to crypto money. Um, but I'm certainly not going to be to be uh, betting the house on this uh, under any circumstances, uh, like some people have done. And lost out. Uh, I mean, there were people who. There are examples of people who mortgaged their houses when Bitcoin was nearly twenty thousand dollars, and sure. uh, and now it's it's a, a third of that, um, and uh, they're crying. So if you do this stuff, do not do not risk everything on it. I've got I've got two last bits on Bitcoin that I want to share with you. Firstly, sure. did read a story the other day about uh, investment somewhere in South Africa who disappeared with a lot of money. There's a lot of scams going around about Bitcoin investment right now. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't trust third parties with this. I would certainly try it myself, or not at all. That's my my personal opinion. 
And then secondly, there was a news story that surfaced as well where some guy many years ago when Bitcoin first came out spent 10,000 Bitcoin to do a little thing and buy Domino Pizza. I remember that. 10,000 Bitcoin. <laughs> which is worth like 180 million or something uh, ob like that yeah. right now. Yeah, and there was that other guy. And they, I think they, they mocked it a bit in an episode, a recent episode of Silicon Valley. There was the guy who uh, who lost a USB stick with uh, it was thrown out, I think, in his jacket. I forget the story, but um, it, it had a lot of Bitcoin on, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars worth, uh, lying in a rubbish dump somewhere. He's been <laughs> unable to find it. Shame. Shame. Yeah, look, I had an old piece with some on it. Nothing, nothing major. I'm sure it was half a Bitcoin or something. Yeah. But really, not much. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Lost forever. Before we get into this week's uh, news proper, uh, we have another WhatsApp message here. This one is from John A. Let's hear what John has to say. Hey guys, it's John here, first time listener. In, very interested in carrying on listening to, you, with your show. Um, my question is going to be gamer-centered, uh, and it goes like this. Um, what do you guys think that Microsoft needs to do to get back into relevance in South Africa with their Xbox brand? Because... Um, you know, the PlayStation is everywhere. You go to the movies, it's there. You go to every shop, it's there. But Xbox is kind of nowhere. And I saw an Xbox One X for the first time uh, at Gateway Incredible Connection, and there were two lonely little boxes there. Um, so it really is kind of being hung out to dry. So what do you think they need to do to get back into the limelight, or is it game over for the Xbox One X brand, and they need to wait for the Xbox Two or the Xbox whatever it's going to be thanks guys cheers well thanks john um yeah i mean my thoughts on that maybe record you want to chime in with a few thoughts as well but uh yeah microsoft in south africa unfortunately is very much a a business sales uh, focused organization they sell into big corporates and they have never really paid a big big attention to the consumer market here mm. which is really unfortunate because the xbox one x in particular which they said they were going to launch before christmas last year and i don't believe it actually happened um they they um they, they, it's it's a great product, and um, I think gamers would would snap it up. But so Sony, uh, I think it's through Steer Kinical. I'm, I'm not sure if your agent has changed, but they've done a really good job of uh, selling the Xbox, uh, sorry, the PlayStation, the PlayStation in in South Africa and yeah. marketing it properly and and getting those units out there. You walk into any retail electronics retail store, you pick up a PlayStation, no problem, and uh, they've done a fantastic job with it. And Microsoft, it's put facts on the table has done a terrible job of marketing the xbox in south africa and that's true of the xbox one x um they had a, a window to get it into the market before christmas last year it really wasn't here maybe they had some issues with the caster and getting approvals and all that sort of thing but since then it's been another five months and you don't you don't really see this xbox one x being marketed much in the country at all so john i think you're absolutely right microsoft has been doing a terrible job of xbox and they need to step up the game if they want to compete against uh, sony in this market yeah, definitely. I mean, you've kind of summed everything up there. And but the thing is, you don't know if it's if it's Microsoft International is not paying attention to this market, or if we don't have the right people here, you know, pushing for Xbox locally. There was a time where Xbox was everything. Yeah, I mean, I'm still a mm -hmm. massive Xbox fan. Uh, I don't know if you recall last year when we had this exact conversation. I tried to get hold of uh, Xbox, uh, Microsoft locally to do the interview with the guys. Um, on the new Xbox, um, they didn't respond for a while. They got back to me. They said nothing's launched yet. The rumors was that it was going to come. It wasn't going to come. There's obviously were some delays. It doesn't really matter, right? The fact that it's available internationally, mm. and and we are still, you know, 
being pushed the old one you know there's no not even sales uh, not even massive price drops on the existing model so we we are losing out on both ends and unfortunately those guys like myself moving to pc now so mm. no more revenue to xbox or microsoft live services from our side unfortunately and it's unfortunately their own fault i would have i would have invested my money in the console um, if it was around in time, exactly. I was I was actually giving serious. I'm not even, I'm not even a big console gamer, but I was giving serious thought to buying an Xbox One X uh, before Christmas last year. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to now. I've uh, I've subsequently invested in in uh, upgrading my PC. Um, I want to stick with PC gaming. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 sad that yeah, it's it's happening like that because Xbox, in my opinion, is a superior platform. I, yeah. I absolutely love. Yeah, it. you've always been an Xbox fan. The fact that you can, you know, with with the Hololens stuff coming, you know, the the question from from the listener earlier was, what could they do apart from all the cool things, you know, marketing wise? Uh, Microsoft obviously has an upper hand with the tech, upper hand with that kind of technology. I think one it's thing, a better gaming experience. One thing I have done is bought an Xbox controller for my PC. Um, that works so well. You can play all games, Windows PC games, now with an Xbox controller. Interesting. And, uh, I got. Uh, I got so used to the mouse now again after so many years of not using it. Yeah. I don't know if I can go back to a controller for for PC based games. Obviously, for, if I play on a console, I use so. it for racing games like Need for Speed. For that, oh, it's cool. brilliant. Cool. It's brilliant for that. I'd rather use the the the, the Xbox controller than the, the keyboard and mouse for, for racing games. But for three D shooters, I um, I prefer mouse and keyboard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I must actually try. I'll, I'll get hold of one and just play with it for a while. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, John, thanks for the thanks for the uh, interesting questions and uh, keep them coming. Oh seven one triple nine double one double one. But we really do need to talk about the news now. So but I even started to show you. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we're good half an hour in already. <laughs> we haven't got to the news. Um, but uh, half, I think most of that's my fault because I've been talking about Bitcoin. But let's talk about GDPR. Have you been overwhelmed with spam this week from just about every service you've ever signed up with in the last twenty years, updating their privacy policies and asking for permissions and all sorts of things? It's been a nice reminder of all those services that I signed up for that I didn't know yeah. I had. I've, what I've been doing I is... I haven't a single mail. Oh, you haven't? No. What I've been doing, though, is every time one of these messages comes in, I just scroll it to the bottom, and there's always an unsubscribe button. And since these guys are claiming that they're, um, they adhere now to GDPR, um, it, it's unlikely that they're going to just use this as confirmation to send me further spam. So I'm... I, well, maybe they will. Because you're one maybe chance. You're one chance to get yeah, off the list. Get off the list. So I'm uns- <laughs> I, every time one of these messages comes in, I just hit the unsubscribe button. Unsubscribe. I must have done it 50 times in the last few days. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping my inbox is going to be less full, full of spam come, going forward. Yeah, no, that's a good tip. I'll do the same. <laughs> Definitely. Um, but GDPR went into effect on on Friday um, in in Europe, but it affects companies worldwide. Um, and yeah, I I think we've spoken about it quite a bit in the past. Um, my, my my view is that uh, maybe some of the, these regulations are necessary, but on the, by the same token, I think. Uh, that uh, this is a bit of a money-making scam by the EU to fine companies and and uh, and raise revenues for the EU. Um, it's good in some respects. Uh, it may be somewhat overreaching, um, but it's there, and um, we, we're, we're getting our own version of it quite soon. Um, it's written already. The legislation is written. Uh, and I, I think its introduction is imminent, and that's, of course, POPIA, or the Protection of Personal Information Act, uh, which uh, I don't think goes quite as far as some of the requirements of GDPR, but uh, GDPR uh, taking effect on Friday, and uh, a lot of lawyers have been getting very richer because of this. 
Yeah, that's the unfortunate side of it. But let's be honest, you know, no company has handled these things the way that they probably should have in the interest of the customer mm. or a, a, at the end user. And kind of that's why we've got to this point and people were able to push push these uh, these laws through or these, these regulations through. We're going to have to see how it works. Um, but I'd rather have something than an unregulated, completely unregulated market if, if, if our data can get out there. Yeah, which it has kind of it has done. How many breaches have we had? Yeah, and there was another one just last week reported, I think, by iAfrican, um, involving a traffic fine on one of these online traffic fine services. Um, I forget the My number. Fine or something? Uh, no, okay. it was something else. But it was um, it was uh, it was a large number of um, records leaked. I forget the exact number, but it was many millions. Uh, so, yeah, uh, GDPR. What I also found funny about the introduction of GDPR is that a number of U.S. newspaper websites um, blocked, have started blocking users in the EU from accessing their websites, saying it's simply too expensive to conform to the requirements. Uh, so as Bloomberg reported, they're effectively cutting off a market of 500 million people because of GDPR and saying, well, tough luck, guys. Uh, the LA Times was one of the, I noticed was one of the publications that did this. Um, and I went into my VPN software and connected to a server in France and then connected to the LA Times to see what this was all about. And indeed it was there. You may not see this website because of GDPR, which is all a bit silly, of course, because if someone in France wanted to read the LA Times, all they need to do is fire up a VPN and connect to a server in the US. <laughs> Yeah, it, it it seems that the laws don't really match up with the technology re- required to yeah. just manage this properly. Yeah, we I think we all need to grow into what this whole big digital internet thing really still is. I mean, mm. we only what twenty five years into it. No, mm. yeah, well, since the web, the web, the web, yeah, like in, in full time. Yeah, since, since about ninety three, ninety four in South Africa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, before it started really taking off, I think the guys were tinkering with it at Rhodes University in the very early 90s, if not the late 80s. Mm. But you're right, it's, um, it's, it's all about the internet maturing and growing up and uh, the regulators are getting involved now for better or for worse. So um, Telcom's publishing its annual results tomorrow, which is always an interesting event. Um, they're doing it at their subsidiary BCX's offices in Centurion tomorrow, and I'll be going along uh, to listen to what the executives have to say and to interview the CEO, Sipo Maseko. Um, always look forward to the Telcom presentations because they're so f- dense and packed with information about their network and their numbers and all that sort of thing. Uh, and uh, num- tomorrow uh, should be interesting. Uh, we already have some insight. They've uh, warned of a decline in earnings because of – um, higher taxes and labor costs, um, uh, but uh, we'll, deal, we'll dig into the numbers tomorrow and look, what the, look at what those fixed line numbers are looking at like in particular. I suspect we'll see a continued decline in the number of fixed lines in service, particularly copper fixed lines. We should see a continued rise in, in fiber connections. Um, uh, key numbers to look yeah. at, I think, will be the attach rate or the number of people who subscribe uh, to the service where their home has been passed with fiber. Um, and, uh, of course, the key mobile side of things, Telcom Mobile, have to get an update on how well that has performed. The free plans in particular, um, I think this will be the first full year or close to – yeah, it will be. I think it will be the first full year of Telcom numbers with the Freemi, um broadband, mobile broadband um, plans uh, attached for the first time. So it would be interesting to see what Telcom's numbers look like tomorrow. But at the headline level, they're in decline. Um, tough business to be in, I think. Uh, I was particularly interested, by the way, Rechot, there was a story um, this week that uh, OpenReach, which is the um, BT groups or British Telecoms, they used to be called British Telecom, uh, now Mm -hmm. just BT Group, Um, OpenReach was the um, 
their basically their fixed line infrastructure that was hived off into a separate business. Pretty much what Telcom did a couple of years ago with OpenServe, um, creating a separate wholesale infrastructure division. Um, yeah. So reports emerging this week that uh, BT is enter- is considering um, offers that have been made from various private equity players to buy OpenReach. And to sell it off. Um, so, in other words, to sell the business that they were, that they started out being, which was a fixed line provider of telecommunications, um, selling that infrastructure. Really, really interesting. Um, and I, I do wonder, re- I did wonder reading that whether um, we may see a situation in, in the coming years where Telcom might decide that OpenServe doesn't doesn't necessarily belong in the group and they may entertain offers. I think it's more tricky here because the government still earns a big chunk of telecom in in, uh, in the UK. British telecom is is, is fully privatized. Uh, but it was interesting nonetheless. And I'll, I'll, um, I'll I've, in my session with Sipo Maseko tomorrow, I'll, I'll, put, I'll ask that question. Um, is is OpenSurf core to your business? And could you sell it at some point in the future? Hmm. Interesting point. Interesting question, yeah. But keep an eye on uh, Tech Central. We'll be uh, covering the full telecom results uh, as they happen tomorrow, starting at just after 7 when the results are published on the JSE Stock Exchange News Service. Um, I think we need to take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. Hello? I know you're there. Look, I can see the lights of the TV. Please, I just want to watch the finale. Come on, guys. I'll give you a foot massage or anything. Time to get your own fibre? Speak to Vox. Because for a limited time period, you can save up to 3,000 Rand in installation costs. And we'll send a technician to help you get set up. Hello. Go to vox.co.za. Get fiber to your home. Get free installation and activation. Open the door to endless entertainment. T's and C's apply. Bitco is revolutionizing the way businesses connect. We're taking on your connectivity challenges and shooting our high-speed fiber internet across the country. Not just for some, but for everyone. Fiber is not a luxury, but a necessity. For business, for life, for you. And being connected is everything. So network with a tier one internet provider and take your business to the next level of connectivity. Bitco.co.za. Connectivity is everything. Well, welcome back to the show. How's it, Rehart? How's it, Duncan? So a story you picked up. Netflix is now, uh, or was briefly this week, uh, the world's most valuable media company. Overtook yeah, Disney. Isn't that, is, isn't that interesting, right? I'm just calling. Uh, no, I just lost my place where the story was. Let me just open well, it's, it. It's, unbe- is, is- it's unbelievable that um, this company that started out to order DVDs uh, has overtaken Disney to become the world's most valuable media company. Um, it's, its share price has the, been on an absolute tear in the last few years. And if you look at the, the amount of valuable assets and rights and patents that uh, Disney has, you know, copyrights at least, you know, that certainly seems mm. to be the the entity that should be making a lot more money. Well, they are, they're, they're, yeah, they are much bigger in terms of their revenue um, and Comcast and all these big American media players are, are actually still much bigger than Netflix in terms of revenue. Um, and I'm sure some of them are more profitable. Certainly some of them are more profitable as well. Um, uh, in fact, I don't think Netflix is making a profit. Uh, but um, yeah. but uh, in terms of market cap, um, they've overtaken all of them, which suggests them, which says that investors are expecting that they're going to far outgrow all of their competition in the coming years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they certainly cemented their their technology and their position being the benchmark of streaming services. I think every every in media industry. Uh, around the world is struggling with the same issues that uh, the likes of multi-choice is having, competing with 
uh, a streaming service as powerful as Netflix. Mm. Um, it, yeah, I mean, it's, it is the future without a doubt. And the, the guys that aren't going to, 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 to keep up and, and invent their own competitive technology is going to fall behind or fall away completely. Um, obviously, when it comes to looking at the numbers compared to Disney, it's not just based on that. It's based on so many other business aspects. Um, you know, Disney also has a lot of other investments that Netflix doesn't have. Or so, yeah, no, it's, uh, the future without a doubt. I mean, and companies like Comcast and 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 uh, Disney are, get, are getting competitive and pushed down the ranks just because mm. uh, of a company with some servers around the world and some clever uh, algorithms to push that media to various people. Mm. And I mean, these companies, these media companies are massive. Comcast is an absolutely massive company. I mean, they're one of America's biggest ISPs. They, they basically mm. own the cable TV business in America. And, and here comes this little upstart internet streaming company called Netflix. And it's like, sorry guys, we're, we're bigger now. Out the way. We're coming through. And, and I mean, if you look at, look at Netflix track record, who did, who, who are the other big players that they managed to, you know, make redundant completely. I mean, Blockbuster, obviously US-based, but video stores in general, you know, after Blockbuster failed, it was a big eye-opener to yeah. everybody around the world renting out videos. Yeah. Where's when, our local rental guys? You don't see them around. There's one or two shops. Yeah. But they're not as big as what they used to be. I, I, I see hardly any, driving around Joburg, I see hardly any DVD rental stores anymore. Mm, mm. I've seen one. There's one up the road here from where I, I am. Yeah. Um, very small. And it has a few people. And I can, I can understand, you know, you have like a library of DVDs you can rent out, which is great. But uh, it's a very small market. It's now. a market and it's shrinking fast. Yeah. Um, I think all those guys will be gone soon once mm. fiber has pl- proliferated. Um, I mean, when it's kind of sad. I don't, I don't even have a DVD player in my house. I mean, I don't, except for one machine yeah. that's connected to. None of my devices can play optical discs. Yeah, I've got a DVD player in my lounge, but um, I, I can't remember the last time I used it. It's been years. <laughs> Look at all the space we managed to reclaim in our in our living rooms because we didn't have to put out the DVDs on display. Yeah. Well, in my living room, I've still got um, these huge wall-mounted uh, CD racks. I don't know what I'm going to do with them. I mean, they're full of CDs, and I, I never even touch them anymore. I just stream all my music on the internet. So... Um, it, it, it's but it's like them. a piece of furniture on the wall, but I, it's got yeah. no practical use anymore. <laughs> Maybe I need to strip them out and figure out something else to do with them. Or just store them somewhere. I mean, you, you're gonna you're gonna appreciate them in a few years, or maybe not. But no, just to have them, I think they're going to become, you know, collectors' pieces in their own right. Not yeah. that they might be worth millions, but no, I won't sell. Them. I, I won't get rid of my CDs. I'll if I, I might do that. I might put them into storage. But you know, mm. when, when I'm sitting in my retirement home in my 70s i'd like to oh look at look at this uh, <laughs> remember this band from from the last century um walking around the retirement house with a uh, retirement home with your walkman discman player that's your hip <laughs> yeah. and your big nokia and the other hip <laughs> no attached to the zimmer frame <laughs> uh, i can totally see that <laughs> but i don't know what uh, uh yeah i don't know what to do with these furniture any ideas from our listeners uh, drop us uh, drop us a whatsapp on 071 Double one, double one. What should I do with my CD racks? Because look, are- if you find some really nice wall-mounted frames, you can actually display them very nicely. Yeah, all those liners could be very, could look very nice. Yeah, yeah. I have no idea what to do with them, but we'll figure it out eventually. Um, they can stay with. They can stay where they are for now. What's that, Rachel? <laughs> I said listening is not going to be one of those things. <laughs> no, no. 
Um, what else do we need to talk about this week? Um, Battlefield. Battlefield 5. Battlefield, yeah. The trailer was absolutely mind-blowing, wasn't it? Oh, that is going to be a really good game. Um, as, a, as, a, as a fan of the franchise from day one, I mean, Battlefield 1942 was mind-blowing for me. I remember I... You know, I wore the disc. I, I, I worn out that disc playing it so much. Um, the edges frayed by the time I was done with it. <laughs> it was a great game. And the franchise, I think, has just continued to. I mean, obviously, I'm a fan, so I might be a little bit biased, but I think the the franchise has spoken for itself. Some some good games, some bad games. Um, but Battlefield Five is one of those that they, they can't. You know, they have to do. They have to do something big with it. Um, yeah. If you look at if you look at the the graphics and the the the, the battle sequences or the way that you combat i think gamers are in for a treat yeah so that uh, go have a look on youtube at this video if you've got a 4k monitor watch it in 4k because it is unbelievable uh, i think this is going to take the next generation of graphics cards to be able to play though um the, the level of detail especially in 4k is, is just staggering um it's the first preview trailer for for battlefield 5 it's not going to be coming out for a while is it Till about October. Um, if you get the if you if you pre-order online, uh, the one is nine forty nine, and the Ouch. other one is I think one three four nine for the deluxe edition. Not cheap. I almost bought it. I almost pre-ordered last night, but then I realised I have to buy this uh, beautiful audio interface device today. <laughs> but I'm definitely going to be pre-ordering the deluxe edition uh, close to the time. As What's the point I, of pre-ordering? Well, just to get access to the to the to the uh, open beta as soon as it, it launches. Oh, I see. They'll but release it that's, before. Yeah, I don't know. What be okay okay so so the game will launch you'll also as a as a if you get the battlefield the deluxe edition i believe you'll get like a week early access to the full game uh, okay. once it launches um but in terms of getting access to the open beta that you need to pre-order to do that all right but i don't know when the open beta is launching so they haven't announced that yet yeah yeah i, I haven't played too much of battlefield i spent quite a bit of time on battlefield 4 which was very good um i played battlefield 1 and i kept dying so i gave up on that <laughs> but I, I'm I'm busy playing that now, and it's a stunning game. It's absolutely the graphics are unbelievable. From, yeah, they, yeah from, this game always pushes the limits on graphics. Mm, yeah. Mm. yeah, so I can only imagine what. Uh, and I'm I'm pretty new to Battlefield One, so I'm still on the honeymoon period of appreciating all the the, the beautiful effects and the and the you know just the maps that you play in. Mm. Um, so mm. yeah, I'm really looking forward to Battlefield Five. So a couple of interesting stories that you added to the show notes here, which I'm, I'm keen to find out some more about. Uh, FB, the FBI has recommended that people reboot their routers, something to do with some malware. Yeah, so this is a pretty big one. Um, there's a couple of router brands that were compromised in, in this, this malware attack. Um, and according to this uh, report by Cisco, they did the investigation into this. Uh, the malware is designed to steal website credentials that goes through the router. Um, so anything from your from your from your office or your home network that goes through this any of these routers um, could be affected by this malware, which is a pretty big thing. And the reason why the story caught my attention was one of the routers I actually had a few of in um, my days as a DSL user, the Netgear DGN two twenty. Um, you used to get it bundled with uh, a lot of devices. Uh, and I, th I actually still think you can buy these today. Um, and the FBI, the Cisco, Cisco basically uh, recommends that you just reboot your router to to flash the malware. There would obviously be a firmware update. Just check that you are updated with uh, firmware on your router. Um, but there is a list, and I think we'll, uh, we can probably share this in the show notes, but there is a list of routers worth looking out for if you have any of these, uh, ranging from Linksys, Mikrotik, uh, QNAP, um, and TP-Link. 
Okay, yeah, we'll definitely put that in the show notes. Um, I, uh, I must check if my route is on there as well. Uh, but uh, so if you if you reboot the router, it's just going to flush out the malware. But if you don't patch it, it could come straight back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you want to make sure that you are up to date with the uh, make sure you're up to date with the firmware and or reboot and make sure you're up to date with your firmware. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the other little interesting story that you picked up, Rahat, was about uh, cricket. Cricket is being banned from using smartwatches. What's that about? Yes, so the uh, International Cricket Board has banned um, the use of smartwatches, and, and I kind of think this is uh, this is a pretty important step for for sports in general, um, yeah, especially in sports, a gentleman's game like cricket, where you know you, you can't rely on or you, you can't use um, you know input outside of the game. Um, so it, this was used in a match recently. Um, two two players had uh, smart uh, smartwatches on their wrists. Yeah. Um, and it kind of brought to light the fact that there wasn't, you know, that there was no information around whether it was used for communication or not. In a game like cricket, uh, obviously that's against the rules. Um, so yeah, it was well worth noting. It could affect other sports potentially, where communication, you know, among players is in a game like this could give unfair advantage. And cricket, we know, have been, you know, fraught with uh, match fixing scandals for for many many years and ball tampering um, and all sorts of things. Uh, ball tampering I, I, and everything. Do they still call it the gentleman's sport? <laughs> yeah, you can argue that. That's a very good point, Duncan. <laughs> but I mean, I think sports in general and technology. I mean, there's there's so many so many ways tech can have an impact. Not just not just doping, as in Lance Armstrong case. Yeah. Although I'm sure a lot of tech was involved with that as well. Um, but yeah, so you probably don't need to check your messages while playing. A sports game, so it's probably well with, uh, probably not worth wearing it. I mean, it, it doesn't make sense unless you want to use it for something, maybe not according to the uh, the game's mm-hmm. guidelines. How are the players going to check the Bitcoin pricing? <laughs> <laughs> so that's the International Cricket Council, right? Doing this ban. Yes, yeah, that's, that's okay. <laughs> right, that's on that's on news this week. Let's uh, let's move on to our regular features. Our winner this week is Knife Capital, Cape Town-based venture capital firm. Uh, which this week announced that they had exited their investment in Audit Talk, South African-founded tech company that specialises in point-of-sale integration at fast food and re- restaurants, etc. Uh, they mm-hmm. relocated to the US a couple of years ago, but um, South, South African-founded business and um, one of the original investments of HBD, Herbie Dragon's venture capital, Mark Shuttleworth's venture capital firm that was uh, transferred across into Knife Capital. Um, some years ago, um, very successful exit, and um, uh, these guys uh, are starting to uh, develop a um, a knack for this. It seems this is not the first major exit to an international company. So, Uber buying Order Talk uh, for their Uber Eats um, uh, platform uh, to integrate uh, the their ordering systems with the point of sale systems in restaurants. Um, but they've exited a number of uh, uh, interesting businesses, including, remember Akubu, uh, which was sold to Garmin. Yeah. That was a nice yeah. capital investment. Um, they were also invested in, um, uh, I've forgotten the name now, there was a, a Visa bought out one of their businesses, um, uh, also based in Cape Town. Very successful uh, financial services business. I think that deal was in total worth about $110 million. Hannes von sure. Rensburg. I forgot the name of the company. It was Hannes von Rensburg founded it. Um, very, very successful business. Sold out to Visa. And uh, they sold another business to General Electric. Um, it's funny sure. to think that these guys are, are, are very successful venture capitalists. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, 
uh, start to pay attention to who they're investing in because um, they've had some spectacular exits, uh, this one just being the, the latest of them. So Kiet van Zell and the team at Knife Capital, uh, they're our winners this week. And our loser this week is E-Media Holdings, which, uh, whose only investment is in um, E-Media Investments, which owns ETV, ENCA, Opens, Open View HD. Um, they reported a 1.6 billion rand loss this week. Um, warning, yeah, warning that uh, the the free to air TV industry in South Africa is under enormous pressure. A lot of that those losses were related to uh, recognition of goodwill, um, I presume related to acquisitions. Um, so um, that that number was probably inflated because of that goodwill. So um, I don't expect to see a, such a big loss in the next set of results. However, um, not great numbers, uh, declining. Um, uh, under severe pressure from uh, DSTV, from the SABC, uh, which is lifting its game under new management. Uh, it's a tough time to be in free-to-air media and open view HD continuing to lose money, although they say they're going to continue to invest heavily in that platform because they do see um, big potential with it if they can get it up to 6% of the South African viewer base from, I think it was 3% now. Um, but yeah, free-to-air television, perhaps not surprising, is a difficult business. So eMedia Holdings is our loser this week, um, but it could equally apply to the whole group. Uh, what's your pick this week, Rechard? So I've been on a bit of a router binge lately, Duncan. You have? As you know, I've, I'm, <laughs> playing, I'm playing with big bandwidth, and with big bandwidth comes big responsibilities. Right? <laughs> So I've been uh, the last uh, route I checked uh, checked out was the um, was a gaming router from Netgear, and now this one because I've still got that one gigabit uh, beautiful um, fiber connection. You know I can't just connect uh, my normal Huawei router that comes with a fiber connection. It just is not able to maintain those speeds over a Wi-Fi network. So I'm having a look at this. This is my long-term loan unit review unit. Um, it's called the Netgear Orbi, um, and it's a mesh network system. There's two units, two of these little beautiful. It, it almost looks like a. Um, what do you want? It looks like, like a home assistance. It does. It looks a bit like the spaceship from Arrival. <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful. I mean, this thing can sit anywhere, and it just looks gorgeous. There's a blue light on top. That's a status. So if it's blue, the network is working. If it's amber or orange, the network's yeah. there's something wrong with it. But what makes what sets this apart from from virtually every other router in the market, apart from its price, which depending on where you buy it from, is between eight and nine thousand rand for the kit, Ouch. <laughs> um, is its Wi-Fi performance that it, it, it's a performance that it puts out. So if you have fiber fiber coming into your house, this is the kind of router that's going to give you the best performance everywhere in your house. Um, it's a mesh networks, a mesh router, which means that it's got a base station that connects um, to this, uh, the router that connects to your to your fiber connection uh, or to any other internet connection. Um, and that uses, there's, there's two channels on this that uh, is used for people to, to connect to the internet, but there's a third channel on a running on the five gigahertz frequency that is only used as a backhaul between the two devices. So none of the Wi-Fi that you use to connect to your um, to connect to the internet is actually used for um, base communication between the two. And that is what makes this thing so powerful. You can obviously um, plug it into your, uh, into your um, wired internet, a wired network connection. Um, but so far in terms of my <laughs> speed tests, 
I've been able to get, like I've shown you earlier, I've been able to get just over 500 megs down and 104 megs up from my smartphone wow. on this network. What smartphone, what smartphone is that? This is, this is the iPhone S, okay. iPhone 6S, okay. standing outside. So I was about three meters, five meters away, three to five meters away outside um, doing that speed test. So I was traveling through what, a door or a uh, through a wall, That's but I mean, I wasn't impressive. I wasn't standing that far. I was just standing where I would normally stand and just take a break, you know, looking, yeah. playing with a cast type of thing. So, I mean, I was very impressed. I'm still I've only had it for a few days, um, yeah. But so far, you know, if you take price out of the equation, this this really is designed for high end home installations where you have mm. a lot of smart devices connected uh, wirelessly to um, to yeah. your fiber connection, and you need a lot of throughput on each of those. Like my house, um, <laughs> this one certainly can. Deliver it. I think when I'm done, when I'm done with this one, I'm going to come drop it off, and I think you need to test it. I think All right. You'll be pleasantly surprised. All right. That sounds fantastic. I'm still more envious of your uh, fiber speed, though, than more than anything else. Not long, Duncan, then I'll fall back to mere mortal <laughs> status. <laughs> Enjoy it while it lasts. Uh, my pick this week is actually a TV series, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, it's on Netflix. It's been there for a while, and I, I've just been uh, I've been meaning to watch it for a while, and I'm glad I finally have because it's actually really good. It's called Manhunt Unabomber. It's the uh, it's made by Discovery, uh, um, the same guys as Discovery um, Channel. Uh, and, I was just going to say, not not the medical aid guys. <laughs> no, no. Um, and it's uh, it's about the hunt for the Unabomber. Um, I, I saw the headlines at the time when this happened in the 1990s, when they when the FBI caught this guy, and uh, I didn't know a huge amount about the story. So it's really fascinating to look at. It's really really well acted and and uh, done. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, the Unabomber was a, um, a guy called Ted Kaczynski, who's now serving a life term in prison. In fact, eight consecutive life terms in prison. He um, he was a mathematician. Uh, he was an academic on a very promising career. And suddenly he decided he was going to go and live by himself in the woods somewhere or other, um, in the, I think in the east of the U.S., Montana or somewhere like that. And, um, and he became a recluse and um, just became a bit of a survivalist. And uh, he started sending letter bombs to to people. He was um, he was, he became. I think he must have uh, flipped his lid and, and had a mental issue. I don't know what the story is. He 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 pleaded that he was was not insane uh, in court. But um, as all insane people do, I right? suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose if you're insane, you don't know you're insane. Uh, no, no. But he um, he he killed three people and and injured uh, two dozen more. Uh, through these letter bombs that he sent through the U.S. Postal Service, and he published uh, various documents, including a manifesto raging against uh, modernity and technology. And in fact, his his targets for his, of his letter bombs were people involved in the technology industry. Um, he was eventually caught. I won't give away uh, too much detail because it's a a, ma- a big part of the of the Netflix series. But um, he was eventually caught by the FBI, and he's now serving. Uh, Eight consecutive life terms in prison. But it's a great show. Really, really well acted. Wow. Wow. Um, and I highly recommend it if you have Netflix. It's called Manhunt Unabomber. It's been out for a while, but uh, I've just got to it now. Yeah, I haven't seen it. That is interesting. I watched something similar just as an as a add-on to yours recently. It was also a fantastic show called Evil Genius. Uh, sees a series of about four or five uh, episodes Yeah. Uh, about a bank heist. But um, just a very interesting story, pretty gripping stuff. Based on true story. True story, yeah. Okay. And it's, yeah, it's very interesting. Evil Genius. I'll have to check that out. The Netflix original series also, so you know. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> well, some of them aren't that great, but generally they're quite good, yeah. Yeah. Generally they're quite good. Um, 
And I think that's our show, Rechot, unless I'm missing something. Um, no, I think we've got everything no, except for our quiz. Quiz results. Quiz results. Let me do the first question. Uber has bought which South African founded technology company to bolster its Uber Eats offerings? Into, sorry, very clumsy question. To bolster <laughs> its Uber Eats offerings integration with point of sale systems, and that is Order Talk. Second question, which JSC-listed fund manager this week said it plans to launch a cryptocurrency exchange later this year? And the answer is Signia. And the EU on Friday finally introduced its tough new data privacy regulations, the GDPR. What does GDPR stand for? And that is General Data Protection Regulation. The fourth question, Salsi's chief financial officer announced on a call with analysts this week that he is resigning after less than a year in the role. Who is he? The answer, Tyrone Sundarji. And the last question in this week's quiz, which major South African retail group this week announced it would launch a mobile money offering? And that is ShopRite. Very interesting move, that. Um, uh, Biggest retailer in the country. Uh, I think they've got a good chance of uh, shaking up the market with that offering. Well, if they're, if they're herb plants that you get with uh, hundred <laughs> purchases, anything to go by, yes, that's, this is going to be fantastic. No, you're growing your own herb garden, are you there? No, no, I'm no. not, but it's a great idea. It is a great it's idea. A brilliant yeah. idea. It's much better than giving away those, those little plastic trinkets of, of stuff that uh, they were doing. Exactly, mm. exactly. Yeah. So that's our show. As always, uh, if you've got any feedback, WhatsApp us, uh, 71 uh, if you include a voice note, we can, can include it in our uh, next show. Uh, if you want to go old school, our email address is info at techcentral.co.za. From Rehart and myself, until next week, cheers. Ciao, ciao.